Who here is going to Atmosphere Dominion Conference? Put up your hand nice and high for me if that's your plan. Okay. Can I ask the team just to put that slide back up? Can we? Is that all right? Um, I just wanted to, um, Pastor Thomas announced this. We've got lots of things going on. Um, but I wanted to specifically uh, talk about Atmosphere. So it's our Dominion Conference, our annual conference. The theme this year, we always have a specific theme. This one particularly is Atmosphere. Uh, it is the last weekend of August. So it's the same, uh, it's the, the Thursday night, the Friday day, the Friday night, the Saturday day, the Saturday night, uh, before obviously the Sunday, and that Sunday is the 1st of September. So it's that very last weekend of August. And uh, I wanted to encourage everyone, not just to look at the screen and go, oh yeah, that's coming up, but I want you to look specifically at the dates. Can everyone read the dates out to me nice and loudly? One, two, three. Okay, all right. And so this is a conference that we put on every year to bless uh, not only this church, but other churches and other Christians. We usually have a lot of Christians coming to this conference from all over Southeast Queensland. Apostle Leon right now is putting messages together and asking the Lord, anoint and appoint the words that you, you want me to, to bring to Brisbane to bless the people. Uh, Greg and Julie are now seeking the Lord on the messages that the Lord's giving them, specifically to be in the timing and the season to bless the people. I'm seeking the Lord right now for the messages that God's giving me to be appointed messages for the time and season. So who here has ever recently been praying, hey God, can you please give me some fresh direction? Hey God, can you please give me um, some clarity? Hey God, can you really uh, impart to me some revelation to help me to move forward in this new season? Who here is actually saying that prayer right now? Who here is actually wanting breakthrough? They're wanting some type of a, yeah, impartation. So my challenge to you is if you're praying that prayer and you're a part of this house and this is the event that we put on, we put it all of the time. All of the energy, all of the resources to create an atmosphere for you to receive that revelation. Who thinks it's important that we align those two things? Hey, if I'm praying for breakthrough, but then I don't make the time to go to something like this where all of God's people is putting so much time and energy to create an atmosphere to receive that, who thinks that that would probably be a little bit crazy? Come on now, I want to challenge you. Actually, stand up if you're intending to go to Dominion Conference. I want you to stand up for me. I want to see the, what, who, who's going along to Dominion Conference. Stand up for me. Cool. All right. Take a seat. Take a seat. I want you to stand up right now if you didn't stand up. I just want to have a look. Who, who didn't stand up? Quick. That's what I look. Cool. That's cool. That's cool. And my challenge to you guys standing up is maybe you've got work on. That's cool. If you've got work on, take a seat. All right. Have you got work on for the whole thing? Or maybe just during the day. So we've got the nighttime sessions. Um, if you everyone can take a seat. All right. I'm not calling out any names. I'm just sending a polite challenge here that what's important is making the time for specific things that God's putting on. When God's when you're when you're praying, make the time to come to these types of events. This event here is where every year I get revelation, I get kingdom keys, I get wisdom. That helps them for the next year. So I want to encourage you. Who here knows that we're part of a Christian international network? Okay, that's if you don't know, uh, we are part of Christian International Australia Zone. This church is part of that network. And so this is our annual event that we not only want to go along to, but we also want to support it. Why do we want to support it? Why do we want to support it? Someone shout out at me. Because it's called ownership. 
It's called ownership. Everyone say ownership. It's called family. It's called network. It's called support. It's called ownership. All right? And so I want to encourage, if you're someone who really not only wants to be blessed, but you want to be a blessing, by actually coming along and filling out those seats and building that atmosphere together where we worship together at our annual conference, it helps. Who knows that God moves through an atmosphere? Do you know that Jesus couldn't perform miracles because there was too much familiarity in his hometown? What does the word familiarity mean? It means complacency. It means apathy, a sense of, oh, yeah, whatever. And so Jesus himself could not move in the power of miracles because there was a lack of expectation because the people who looked at him went, oh, yeah, you're just a carpenter. Oh, yeah, you're just this person. So if we look at an event like this and go, oh, yeah, it's just another Dominion conference, we can actually be applying the same attitude towards what the people did in the time. And so there won't be that atmosphere where God can remove. I want to charge you with this. How about there's a sense of expectation and faith in your heart and your spirit that you're supposed to bring to this conference that will help to build the atmosphere with unity so God can move, not just to bless you, but to bless other people. Is there anyone feeling challenged this morning? Because this morning, I feel to just break a sense of lethargicness, a sense of apathy, a sense of familiarity about, oh yeah, we're just doing this. This weekend coming, we've got a great guest speaker who is going to be doing teaching on worship. There should be a sense of expectancy about that. Who knows that? We want to expect God to move. We want to expect God to do something. We've got conference coming up in four and a half weeks. There should be an expectancy. If we don't expect God to move, guess what? Things won't really change or move. Expectancy is like the platform to spring forth your faith. And I believe this is a season when we look at this theme of atmosphere where God's saying, hey, do not expect things to change if you're not willing to start to shift your own expectancy. Come on now. Who knows that? That we have to move before God moves. And so I want to pray right now for our expectancy. I want to ask, ask everyone to stand in this house. And let's pray for this conference. Father, we thank you, Lord, right now for Dominion Conference 2019. We thank you, Lord, for the theme of atmosphere. And we thank you, Lord, that we are stirring up even our hunger in you, Lord, for us to expect an atmosphere of change, a new wine in the Spirit, Father, Lord. We thank you, Father, Lord, that you will move powerfully, Lord. Lord, that you will do something fresh, Lord. Lord, that you will bring answers, you will bring revelation, you will bring cutting-edge words, Father. We pray, Lord, for that prophetic mantle upon this conference, Lord, to go to a new level in this season, Father. I thank you, Lord, Lord, that you would stir, Lord, hunger and expectation in people right now. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. And everyone said? Amen. And everyone said? Okay, right, take a seat. Sometimes in life, uh, we need to stir ourselves up a little bit. Uh, we get excited about so many things, uh, and sometimes we get more excited about the things that uh, won't bring benefit to our lives than the things that should and will bring benefit to our lives. So I want to encourage people to be excited, be expectant. Okay, today we're finishing off our series for this month of July called Thrive. Can everyone say Thrive? And today, I want to bring a message which is a little bit linked to the one that I brought two weeks ago. The one that I brought two weeks ago was talking about shifting from uh, just survive to thrive, but I underpin the word survive with the analogy of nosedive. 
And I was saying that, you know, sometimes in life, unexpectedly, we take a nosedive. Disappointment, things happen that are unexpected, and we start to feel like our situation, our life is plummeting. And God is saying, no, He can turn around things uh, with Him. We pull on that aeroplane joystick and we can start to shift uh, from going down actually to turning around and going back to a place of thriving. And so today I want to build on that message, but I've got a different angle. And it's called Strive to Thrive. Can we go to that next slide? Thank you. Striving to Thriving. And where I was talking last time about, uh, I was talking about having a different spirit. Does anyone remember that message? We looked at seven characteristics. The, 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 the Bible talks about the story of Caleb. This is the previous message. Just want to link it now. And Caleb was chosen by God because he had a different spirit. There was a different attitude about him that caused him to be a person. But God says there's something in this person and on this person that's going to cause him to thrive and it's going to help my people as he leads my people with also another man called Joshua into the promised land. And so he was chosen because he didn't have the same thing that most of the people of God did. Most of the people of God, like I was talking before when doing a fresh charge about the Mineral Conference, most of the people were the season, well, they were saying kind of like this spiritually, it is what it is. You know, right now when I'm coaching a lot of marketplace leaders, I'm listening in on boardroom meetings, and probably the number one comment I'm hearing in every situation right now where I'm influencing or coaching, there's a common phrase, it is what it is. Even there's a couple of people here who I've heard you say that phrase over the last uh, year or so. It is what it is. It is what it is. Let's unpack that attitude. It's apathetic. It's like, I can't really influence the situation. I just have to actually give up in a way and be defeated to what it is. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually being controlled by the situation. And so I'm going to have an apathetic, kind of familiar attitude to it is, it is what it is. Nothing can be done. Nothing can really change. Now, when we start there and we look at a situation or a circumstance with the attitude or the spirit of, well, it is what it is, God would want to challenge that, wouldn't he? Because if we're people of faith and with God, nothing is impossible. If he's the turnaround God, then we have to take a good, healthy check right now. How often are you being influenced by the thought or attitude of, well, it is what it is. It is what it is. I'm doing a lot of coaching with UK businesses and I have to watch their board meetings and I have to give reports on where are the leaders at in their ability to position and influence the results in the organization or are they succumbing to just being defeated. One of these boardroom meetings on Zoom I was watching, every single leader when they gave their report of the different departments of the or this organization, this organization is doing okay, but they're not doing as great because of the economic conditions right now in the UK. They're tough because of the B word. What's the B word? Brexit. When I was watching this meeting, every single department leader's words that came out of the mouth, at least three times, each leader mentioned the word Brexit. In fact, I would say as I was watching this meeting, there was an addiction to the word Brexit. Why am I highlighting this? Because in a way, they were saying, well, you know what? It is what it is. The person who was heading up marketing was saying, well, we're doing this and this, but the results aren't turning around because at the end of the day, Brexit, it is what it is. And I think spiritually, we, we have to be sometimes cautious 
that we don't spiritually fall into the same type of speaking about our situations or seasons in the same way. Well, this is happening or this is not happening or this is going on or this isn't going on. It is what it is. It is what it is. I think sometimes we think that's the mature response, but I'm going to challenge that right now and say, no, that's the worldly response. It's convenient and it's nicely packaged. It's comfortable because it comes across like, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to be able to deal with that. I'm just going to shrug it off. But God would say, no, be tenacious and be persistent in pursuit for the breakthrough of any situation they go, don't feel, is aligned to the Word of God. That's what faith is. And it's different to a spirit of familiarity. And so I even want to challenge you. Maybe you thought, well, Dominion Conference is what it is. Been there, done that, yeah, yeah. Not expecting anything fresh. But it's not about just conference. It's just one thing. It's about also this message today. So I want, to, I want to encourage us to think about this. When we're in life and we want to thrive, it's not necessarily just about our results or our situations or our circumstances, but it's also more importantly about our response to situations, circumstances, and people. And I've called this strive to thrive because I think sometimes when we see situations happening, Particularly when people do things to us that we don't like. Sometimes we are tempted to strive in that situation. Maybe to get revenge, to be critical, to judge. Rather than doing something that Jesus would teach us to do, which isn't easy, by no means is it easy, but it will cause you to thrive when it comes to better responding to situations and people in love. Can everyone say in love? And so I want to look at this key scripture today in Luke chapter 6 verses 27 to 29. If you've got your Bibles, let's look there. As, but just before we read the scripture, you may be sitting here today, as we're about to go more deeper into this message, you may be sitting here today and you've experienced situations where someone has spoken negatively about you. And you've tried to deal with it, and then you've come to a place of complacency and just tried to shrug it off, thinking that's mature, just going, well, it is what it is. Or maybe you've actually had someone betray you. Maybe you've had uh, difficult relationships where you feel like it just doesn't seem to click or align. And then you're tempted maybe to talk negatively about those people to other people. That could be within your family situation, your church situation, your marketplace situation your sports club situation, your school situation, it can manifest anywhere. But what I want to say is this. Sometimes when we respond to people who are saying things about us or having a go at us or not really aligned with us, not really walking well with us and it's tricky, it's difficult, there's kind of like thorns in the relationship, a lot of times what we'll be do is we'll be tempted to strive in that situation. To try to work out how do I maneuver? How do I chessboard? How do I try to gameplay this? How do I get the upper hand? How do I justify my position? How do I push back? How do I criticize the criticizer? How do I get my position in a stronger argument? How do I gather other people around me to get more alignment so I can get my ducks lined up so I feel like I've got a little bit of an army of support behind what I think or what I feel? And so we can go into what we call strive mode to survive. Everyone say strive. And so I want to talk about this key teaching that Jesus talks about. 
where he really says, no, in these situations, the way to actually rise above that and to really thrive is to practice one of the hardest things that you'll ever be called to practice, but it's doable with the power of God, and that is to love your enemies. To love your enemies. When you learn how to love your enemies, God will cause you to thrive. Not only will he cause you to thrive and bless you because of that, because your response has been really mature, not just saying, well, it is what it is. No, but to proactively love your enemies, even when you feel like there's a war zone going around you relationally. God will not only cause you to thrive externally, I believe, and bless you because you're aligned with the word of God, but inside of you, you'll find that you won't have the level of turmoil. You won't have the level of confusion that sometimes goes on, doesn't it? You think about when you, when you sense someone's talking about you negatively when you're not there. When you sense that there's someone who's making out that they're your friend, but they're actually speaking about you behind your back. When you feel that someone's on your side, but you kind of find out that they're not really on your side. It's such a difficult situation relationally, but in your headspace, in your heart, turmoil can run like a, a windmill, round and around and around. But God wants to bring a thrive in there by teaching you how to love your enemies in the middle of a sense or an atmosphere of war. And so when we go to this scripture here, Luke 6, 27, 28, it says here, but I I say to you who hear, I love that first line, but I say to you who hear, what is that very first line teaching us? Yeah. That in order for you to be able to then walk out this next part of the scripture, beyond this line, you have to be humble. The starting point to loving your enemies is to have a level of humility where you are coachable and you are teachable. Because before you can love your enemies, there is something about a shift that has to take place within a war within you, and that is you have to lay down pride and you have to pick up humility. That's the starting point before you can really thrive in a situation where Jesus is calling you to love your enemies in the middle of a spiritual atmosphere war. But I say to you who hear what Jesus is saying, I say to you who are teachable. I say to you who are willing to listen. I say to you who are willing to lay down your pride and trying to strive and trying to justify your point of view and trying to get all the people to back you up to make you look stronger in the argument. I say to you who are willing to be coachable. I say to you, the people who has their ear open, to want to receive guidance and wisdom on how to thrive in this situation. I'm talking to you, is what Jesus is saying in this very part of the the scripture. But I say to you who hear, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Now, look at the word love. We know that love is not just a feeling, because who knows to love your enemies, you're not probably going to feel like loving your enemies. You're not going to feel in love with your enemies. You're not going to feel lovely about your enemies. But to love your enemies is an action. It is more importantly a choice, a very, very difficult one that cannot be based on emotion or feeling, but it has to be based on the Word of God and the Spirit of God empowering you to align to the Word. Love. Everyone say love. Choosing to love. 
Now let's look at the word enemies, your enemies, because sometimes I think when we look at the word enemies in the Bible, we think about the obvious one. <laughs> Goliath, for example. Really intimidating. I don't know if Goliath would have been taller than I am up here, but at least I'm standing on the stage, it's giving me something, right? That's why I didn't step down. But sometimes I think we think about the really pure, sinister, evil characters. The obvious. Everyone say obvious. Obvious. (laughs) But when we look at the real definition of what an enemy is, an enemy is a foe, an adversary, someone who's just kind of a little bit against you sometimes, an opponent, someone who's trying to take you on in an ungodly way. A rival. Someone who's trying to rival you. A nemesis. Now that's a little bit... An antagonist. When you look at a story, an antagonist is someone who's just not flowing with how the main character wants to flow. They're kind of somehow coming in and trying to just not kind of wanting to go the same way. They're antagonizing. A combatant. Someone who just kind of just keeps combating against you or your life. Maybe, what is it God's called you to do? A challenger. Now we know that people who challenge us in life, there could be people who are sent by God to challenge us. Because again, we have to be humble. We all have blind spots. But there are godly appointed challenges and sometimes there are non-godly appointed challenges. Let me give you a tip. If you have someone who is an authority over your life, wait for them to invite for your opinion. Don't just give it. Oh, I've got someone's attention in the the house today. Because I want to teach you a little bit about wisdom in the marketplace. So you think sometimes in life we're so opinionated because we think, well, I have an opinion, so therefore I should just freely give it. And actually sometimes we can block our ability to be promoted in the marketplace because of a lack of wisdom and just being a little bit too zealous without wisdom because we have an opinion that's so strong on the inside of us. Think about this. When you have someone who is in authority over you, wait for their leadership to invite your opinions. Don't necessarily just give it to them straight away because if it's different and it challenges them, you've got to be mindful and careful of protecting the dynamic of that team. Come on now, I want you to click into some wisdom here. Because I think in 2019, sometimes we worship our opinion more than we worship God. And our opinion doesn't come from love, it can come from a sense of pride, but it can be packaged with maybe sprinkles of love. And I'm not just talking about ministry and church, I'm talking about family, I'm talking about husband and wife relationships here, I'm talking about husband and children relationships. I'm talking about marketplace relationships, how you relate to your boss, how you relate to your peers, how you relate to your subordinates. Did I say subordinates? Yes, subordinates, as in the word order there is big. Being in order, godly order. Do you know that the kingdom of God is not a democracy? It's a kingdom. Sometimes, as we live in a democracy, we take things about how we want to relate in a democracy to the body of Christ, and that's where we can get out of order. Because we feel that our opinion is not being heard. 
And so it starts with this sense of humility and how we actually love our enemies. Love your enemies. And so my point here is enemies isn't necessarily obvious. Um, Oppose, people who oppose you. People who provide a little bit of hostility. Opposition, competition. The opposite, catch this, to the word enemy is friend or ally. Another definition of enemy is a thing or a person that tries to harm or weaken something in your world. So I think what's really important here is that we don't look at love your enemies and see the word enemies as But we see the word enemy as really anyone that creates some type of difficulty. Does it mean necessarily that they're 100% wrong? No. But difficulty, a thorn in your side, someone who's opposing you, questioning you, challenging you, maybe in a negative way. And so when we make this definition of enemy a lot more detailed and specific, it helps to open up the revelation from this scripture. That God would ask you to love your enemies. To love the people who have a different opinion to you. To love the people who sometimes question you, to criticize you. But we're going to look at how we're called to love them. Then it goes on and says, do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. You don't have to put up your hand, but just answer this question in your head. Have you ever felt used by someone in a spiteful way? What, we, what is the word spiteful? When someone's spiteful, they want to take revenge. They want to have a go. Maybe there's something that you did that they didn't like, and so their response, it's not just a response, it's responding to use you in the situation to get revenge. And when you are on the receiving end of spite, it can be some of the most uh, hurtful things that can go on in your life. Anyone here know what I'm talking about? Does anyone here know what I'm talking about? And again, what we're looking at here is when these things happen, because it's not if they will, it's when they will. How does God want us to thrive in our response? rather than strive in our response. We're going to learn that today. And pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. How challenging is that part of the scripture, if not all of it? And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Let's unpack this. Is everyone ready? We've got three people over here already. Anyone ready over here? Good. How about this crew? You ready again? Okay, good. All right. Let's have a look at this next slide. I want to start, first of all, by talking about when others choose. When others choose. 
So as men and women of God, as Christians, we are not, everyone say not. Not. We are not governed by the choices of others. We're not governed by the choices of others. Which means what? We shouldn't be ruled by the choices of others. What does that also mean? It means we shouldn't live as people who react to the other decisions or choices of others. Because usually it will get us into trouble. There will always be people who choose to become your enemy because they don't understand your faith, they don't understand your vision, they don't understand your character, your context, the journey that you've been taken on by God. They don't understand maybe your heart. They don't understand your history, your story. There are people who will choose to somehow, with the wider definition of enemy, will choose sometimes to position themselves as that person in your life, your situation. They will make that choice. A lot of times, in ignorance of what the bigger picture is, your wider story or context is. A lot of times when we have people who become enemies in a season or a timing in our life, usually the way that we feel is we feel misunderstood. We feel like this person doesn't really get us. How could they have done that if they just knew the wider context? And that's where we can fall into strive mode, where we now have this feeling of trying to explain ourselves, trying to now justify our situation. Trying to strengthen our argument to go back and to bring a breakthrough through striving. But Jesus wants to teach us a different way. He wants us to thrive in these situations. So this first point, I just want to anchor this a little bit more. We have to understand that one of the keys to becoming better and stronger at using this strategy that Jesus would want to give us in response to the enemies in our life, to love them, is we first have to understand That other people, their choices, their comments, we are not governed by them. Meaning you're not ruled by them. Because your flesh in those moments will be tempted to react like you have no control. That they are dictating your behavior because you're reacting to the sense of uh, injustice, to the gossip, to the slander to the spiteful act, whatever it is, there will be your humanity in that moment will want to respond reactionary. You'll want to get revenge. You'll want to strive in that moment. And so we have to first understand that. Others sometimes make you their enemy because you've spoken the truth and love to them. And they didn't like it. They took it the wrong way. They misinterpreted your heart. Their choices may affect us, but they don't have to infect us. You will be affected by the choices of your enemy when people make a decision to be your enemy in a situation, in a circumstance, in a season. Sometimes people who are very close to you may then choose to then oppose you. And that's tough because it does affect you. Let's be honest. Does that affect you? Of course it does. Does it make you feel sad? Of course it does. Is it a hard journey to navigate through? Absolutely. But God would say, to stay in that place of thriving, do not allow it to infect you. Do not allow it to cause you 
who's received spite to now be the person who wants to sow spite. Do not allow it to infect your character where you sit down over a tea and coffee and start thinking all of these negative things constantly about that person to try to soothe your soul. But the reality is it will never bring a soothing solution. It will only make you feel worse. Jesus is trying to help us in these very private, sometimes lonely and isolated moments in our heart when all the world is distracted doing whatever they're doing and we're still trying to process what this person has done or what this person has said. Yes, it will affect you. But the Word of God today is encouraging us, do not let it infect you. And so Jesus is saying, when people choose, because they do, when sometimes people in your world, in all the different spheres of your life and your world, people who are afar from you, people who are close to you, people who are more acquaintances, sometimes people in your life, in specific moments or in seasons, will choose to position themselves as an enemy against you. And when they choose to become an enemy, Jesus says, you respond by choosing to love them. Choose to love them. And so how do we make that choice? What does that look like? Let's unpack this. So the first, we're going to look at these five things. If we can go to the next slide now. Thank you, team. Five choices to thrive by loving your enemies. Everyone breathe in. Everyone breathe out. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. But it's good. Turn to the other person next to you and say, but it's good. It's good, my son. Five choices to thrive. Number one, we choose to do good. It says, do good to those who hate you. And so, really, what Jesus is saying is respond to evil, or respond to gossip, or respond to slander, or respond to spite, respond to mis- being misunderstood. Respond to that with, with good. With good. All of it is love, but this is where I'm packing this. Choose to do good in response to the bad thing that they choose to do, to do or have done towards you. What I love about this is it surprises your enemy. They're not expecting that response, church. It surprises your enemy. And what Jesus understood is that it can, not all the time necessarily, but sometimes effectively diffuse the situation, which means taking the animosity or the power of the strife out of it. Because we're learning from going from striving to thriving. And so I, I want you to think about, let's just just think about, right? Just privately. Think about a situation in the past. Right? We don't have to go way back. Maybe over the last season. Where someone decided to position themselves, again, not like an enemy, 
okay, coming at me with a machine gun, but the different wider definition. They position themselves in that way towards you. I want you to think about how did you respond? And I want you to think about, as we apply the Word of God, allow the Spirit of God to teach you, is there something that you could have done differently? Is there something that you could have done more effectively? Rather than just reacting to actually have been led by the Word and chosen to do good in response to the evil that was done to you. Allow the Word of God to wash over your mind and help you to, to think about where, where can I have improved so that in the future I can, I can anchor more to that particular principle? Choose to do good. Next one is choose to bless. Choose to bless. The scripture said, bless those who curse you. The word curse is referring to when someone speaks death over you, your character, or maybe the way that they've reacted in spite is trying to highlight that you're a bad person, you don't have good character. It's trying to paint maybe you into a corner to assassinate your character, whatever it could be. A sense of a curse upon your identity that would try and make you feel defeated, deflated. And Jesus says, the way we want to respond to that should be to bless, to speak words of life over that person, to speak words of destiny over that person, to speak words of potential over that person. And what this is, this principle here is actually going beyond doing good. Because it is to raise the bar by blessing those who curse us. It is incredibly powerful to help you to thrive when God says, someone has positioned themselves as an enemy towards you, bless them with your words. And when you bless them with your words, it's not necessarily in, just in front of them, it could be in front of them. But it's also behind closed doors. Proactively, intentionally, deliberately choose to speak life over that person. To speak life into that situation. The third one is we choose to pray. The scripture said, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Pray for them. Don't pray for their death. <laughs> okay? Don't pray for their air flight to end with a crash. Okay? That's not prayer. That's called witchcraft, right? <laughs> Don't pray like that. Pray for them. We then choose to pray that God's hand will be upon them, not in a harsh way. That God will punch them out for us. No. We choose to pray that God's hand will be upon them so that his will may be done through them. God, let your will be done through this person's life. Let your mighty hand of favor be upon this person. 
who knows, right there, that is definitely a choice, not led by feeling, not led by emotion. A great sign of maturity is being principle-led, not emotionally-led, not feelings-led. That's what being a disciple is all about. My favorite word, not discipline. Discipline is making a choice when you don't feel like doing it. Discipline. Choose to pray. To love your enemy so that you don't strive in that atmosphere right there and then in a sense of a war zone. But you thrive. Striving is trying to do it in your own strength. Trying to work it out in your own understanding. Trying to come up with the way you should react, the way that you should respond, the strategy of the Facebook post. How am I going to word this? How am I going to word the Facebook message, private message, to push back on them? How am I going to say it in the way, in the boardroom, or in the staff meeting where it's not so obvious that I'm having a go, but people will get it that I'm having a go. <laughs> Come on now. Sometimes we'll spend an hour thinking, how can I frame this? Oh, I need to take that bit out. Oh, this bit's good. More. I'm going to take down my anime wall. I can't wait till I hear this wall. Striving. Spending so much time in our thought life trying to go to war to defend our identity, our status, our place, our sense of worth where God says, let me be your defender through my teaching in how you're called to respond. Love your enemy. It's so anti-world strategy. But that's the power in it. Because we worship a God who is so mighty so powerful, and yet the same God is so humble. He says to you and I, I am that I am. Strong, confident, but humble. And so the I am that I am God is teaching us to do this when we're faced with a battle, when someone chooses to be our enemy. Second last one, choose to turn the other cheek. Now when you do this, it's interesting. They can, it can diffuse or it can make them madder. <laughs> now they're getting mad because you're not playing the hate game according to their rules. See, when we respond to spite, we actually start to walk into a like a, a sand swamp. You know those, what are they called in the movies where the horse goes in and stuff? What is it? Quick sand, sinking sand, right? Thank you. Just caught, I just got the word sand pit, but I knew that wasn't quite right. So thank you. We had a team effort there. And so... Sometimes when we respond to the spite, that's what happens. We start to walk in and it, it, we just can't get on top of it. It just becomes worse and worse and worse because we just start throwing grenades. And even worse if that starts 
rolling out publicly on social media. Grenade, grenade, grenade. Then someone pulls out the missile. Missile. Oh, they threw me a missile. Right, that's it. I'm going to up the ante. Here comes. Oh, there's my cannon. You take that. <laughs> what fascinates me about Jesus' leadership absolutely, honestly fascinates me is he was and continues to be the perfect leader. His heart, his character, he laid down his life, the way that he taught, the way that he walked with people, his love and compassion for sinners and yet his ability to chastise and to challenge and to take on the Pharisees who were so religious. He had balanced leadership. Perfect. He was the teacher. He was the prophet. He was the apostle. He was the evangelist. He was the pastor. Jesus was the perfect and is still the perfect leader. And yet still, even though he was the perfect leader, Judas criticized him. Judas not only criticized him, Judas intentionally made himself an enemy of Jesus by choosing to betray him. And the very thing that Judas used to start to escalate the betrayal was a kiss on Jesus' face. And when you read the story, how did Jesus respond? When you read the story of what they did to him on the cross, how did he respond? He prayed and he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're what they do. His leadership was perfect, and yet he also had to practice how to respond to people who made themselves an enemy to him. Why am I highlighting this? Because sometimes leader, future leader, leader of your family, leader of your connect group, leader of a team in your business, in your marketplace, a leader of a sporting club, a teacher, a guide, a trainer, a coach, a mentor, whatever title you want to give, whatever that position of leadership is that God will bring you into in different seasons. Yes, you will not be an example of perfect leadership. You will have faults. You will have weaknesses. You will let people down. You will have blind spots. But let me encourage you on this. Just because you're imperfect doesn't mean that you shouldn't still look at Jesus' example and go, you know what? If he had people who were going to oppose him and he was perfect, I need to be prepared 
that if I'm going to take up the mantle of this leadership or influence, I will, not might, I will have people at times, usually unexpectedly, who will choose to oppose me. And in those moments, Jesus will teach you how to respond. Let me say this to you. If you've ever experienced betrayal, if you've ever experienced people opposing you, don't allow it to cause you to exit the arena of leadership. Don't allow it to cause you to exit out of your position and to abdicate from what you're called to do. Use it as a learning ground to become more effective because not only will you become a more effective leader when you learn how to love your enemies, but you'll be able to teach and mentor others because as you're raising up other leaders, they're going to experience the very same thing and it's one of the most difficult things to navigate through if you don't align to being principle-led. One of the worst things that a leader can do, particularly an imperfect leader, is to fall in the trap of becoming humanly reactive in the moment when someone chooses to oppose you. And so Jesus is wanting to give us wisdom to turn the other cheek. Doesn't mean you allow people to walk all over you, but always think, how am I going to respond? I remember that... uh, the leader of Bethel Church, Bill Johnson, was doing a teaching once. Are you okay if I tell you a quick story? Was one close soon. I might ask one of the users to come. And he was doing a teaching on when he he was going to uh, he was looking at you know looking at a strategy of helping the church to go to a new place. And um, a leader that he'd been a, like a sub leader underneath him, he'd been investing a lot of time. been working with, without any communication, without any conversation, decided to move on and just start his own ministry, his own church, and started to steal sheep from Bethel Church. The Bible would say that what was going on there is what we call an Absalom spirit. where someone presents themselves as being for the leader, smiles at the right times, shakes their hand, looks into their eyes. But bit by bit, subtly, their heart grows apart because of offence. And then so they start to privately gather others on the side, sowing seeds of, you know, I don't really like the teaching right now, church. I'm not really sure about this. What do you think of that? And positions themselves as the person that's actually really, really their shepherd. Let me pray for you. Maybe because they can see that the key leader is busy, distracted. Maybe starts to gather some of the people that are feeling lonely, maybe left out, more isolated. So Bill Johnson talked about a season that he went through. 
where someone that he'd invested some time into encouraged them. Did this, made this choice. And he said it was one of the most personal, difficult things that he had to go through because it affected him. But he chose for it not to infect him. And in prayer, he took his strategies to the Lord and the Lord said, I want you to lay down those strategies and I just want to minister to you. And through the ministry time, the spirit of Jesus spoke to this leader, Bill Johnson, and said, even though from now on, you're going to have new levels of wisdom, new levels of discernment and new levels of boundaries. I don't want you to pull that person in and chastise them and correct them and then say no and expose them publicly and criticize them. I want you to pray for them, release them, and bless them. And the Spirit of God said to Bill, if you do this, if you love the person that's positioned themselves to be your enemy in that moment, Watch and wait and see what I will do, will do to you, for you, and do for your ministry. And that moment he talked about choosing to love. Even though he was affected, he chose, I will not allow this to be affected. And in that season afterwards, there was a new level of freedom and a new level of authority in his leadership that then blessed the congregation. He lost people. Interestingly, it wasn't fruitful. For a season, that person gathered some people on the side and tried to start their own thing. It wasn't fruitful. But where the fruit came was in Bill Johnson's response to love in that moment his enemy. Even in the Bible, David who was the father of Absalom, King David. Absalom got offended because his sister was raped by his half-brother and he felt that his father did not handle the situation properly. And you can understand, you would get frustrated if you felt that way. And so what happened with David is that one of his sons, who was a supporter of his kingdom and his leadership, got offended because he didn't agree with something or the way David handled something, but he allowed that offense to harbor for so long that then Absalom decided to actually take on David's kingdom and wanted himself to become the king by pulling people aside and starting to sow discord in the people about King David's leadership, his own father, even started to gather his own army. And even though David was facing this enemy, it was his son. He loved his son. That even what happened was the very end when Absalom, David's army defeated Absalom's uh, army, but Absalom was still alive. And David wanted his son to stay alive. He wanted still, he missed his son, even though his son was still in that season of betrayal towards him. And then what happened was the Bible teaches that Absalom's co-jacket got caught in a tree, thrusting him up and he was hanging. 
and members of David's army threw spears into three spears into Absalom's body, and then they killed him. But David directly did not slay his son. David one hit his son to stay alive. Why am I highlighting all of this? Because sometimes there will be people in your life who will position themselves as Absalom's. And God would say, use wisdom, set boundaries, open your eyes and be discerning. But also, know that God would want you to still hope for and think for the best in that person. To still pray for that person. Pray for that situation. That God's hand would be upon them. And that God would turn their heart back to faithful alignment. And so the last one, obviously I was talking about turning the other cheek there, is choose to give above and beyond. When they try to rip you off, whether they try to steal something physically from you, or they try to steal your mantle, your anointing, your identity through speaking negatively about you, they try to steal the people that God's called you to lead, whether that be in the marketplace, whether someone tries to steal your wife, your children, their heart away from you, if someone tries to steal your sheep, if you're a leader in the church, not that you own them, but if God's called you to steward them, that God's appointed you as authority over them. Whenever you find someone chooses to steal or is planning to steal, give above and beyond. Go above and beyond and still give to them double. Speak still. Bless them. Sow into them. Who knows if you can't allow emotion to empower you to do this one. <laughs> it would not, it's not going to be how you feel. In some of my darkest personal moments in leadership, when I say darkest, I'm talking about not evil, I'm talking about loneliness. Isolation. God's shown me this principle to actually sow into someone's life even though you know some things going on. And it's caused me to stay in that place to thrive. Have I ever had difficult moments where I've made bad choices and reacted to things? Absolutely. I know how the other side of this tastes. And I can tell you the thriving side versus the striving side tastes so much better. I want to encourage you. All of us are going to face enemies in our life, our world. It will affect you. But God's saying, I want to work with you, teach you, help you to make sure that it doesn't infect you. Let's pray. Just stay seated. Father, I thank you for your anointing in this house.
We pray your beautiful touch, your hand of guidance, your hand of teaching, your word that is fresh bread to our spirit. We pray the anointing would allow us to feed off this teaching this morning. And that the love that you've taught us to show towards our enemies is only a fraction of the love that you have for us, God. That even through this teaching, right now, you're showing us the way you're teaching us to love our enemies as your sons and as your daughters in our imperfection your love is so much more for us Father this morning remove the scales over our spiritual eyes remove the blindness sometimes that we 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 develop to how much you love us, how kind you are, how gentle you are, how forgiving you are, how gracious you are, Jesus. Lord, we pray right now for healing people's hearts. Lord, where people have been striving to respond to their enemies. Take that heaviness. Take that burden. Make us light. Not heavy. And now pour in your love, your eternal, never-ending love. Pour it in to our hearts and our minds. Equip us, fill us. Fill us with your love so we can love our enemies. And our Shanada to come the music team just to come feel that there's just a song whatever you want to sing just to sing over the congregation and ask everyone to stand just come to the front believe the worship team just for a moment just to sing over us I want everyone to come out the front now if you can come with faith Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just do whatever you need to do to position yourself in the presence of the Lord this morning. However you'd like to do that. If you want to raise your hands.
potential, release a new sense of focus and walking with you, Lord, as you minister to people here this morning. 
Thank you, Jesus. Shanana, I hear the Lord say that there is a rawness in your worship and your worship leading. And I hear God, it's like I see this beautiful picture of a steak. I can't get rid of it, like a raw steak. Like a really good five-star steak. What's that? A porterhouse. Yes, I like that. And I heard the Lord say this, that like in a steak, there's such high-quality protein to build new cellular tissue in people as they consume something. But I heard the Lord say that there's rawness, there's raw material in your worship and the anointing on your life. But God's also saying this, that more and more He's going to teach you and guide you to raise the temperature. And as you cook the steak, it's going to be so edible to people where it's just going to go straight in and it's just going to nourish their spirit in an accelerated way. So God's saying that there's these raw qualities and He's going to shape you and guide you to still be unique, but He's going to cause the authority within you as you worship lead to rise to a new temperature. Not that it's a low temperature now, it's a good solid temperature, but God says, I'm going to rise the temperature of the authority within you as you bring that raw, unique flavor of your worship leading. And God says that there's going to be an impact as people consume it, as people consume that atmosphere of worship that's going to come from your gift. It's going to nourish them spiritually, says the Lord. So Father, we thank you, Lord, for Shania. Just put your hands towards this beautiful woman of God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that even right now you break off any words of negativity that anyone spoke over this woman's life. Lord, anyone that said that she couldn't be up front, anyone that said that she couldn't lead, anyone that said that she couldn't step forward, anyone that said that she wasn't good enough, anyone that said that she wasn't bold enough, Father, we break off those words right now. And we thank you, Lord, that her potential, Lord, is not just moving forward, but it's moving up. Lord, you're going to rise the temperature on her, the authority of this gift in her life. I thank you, Lord, for her character. I thank you, Lord, that you're not only her coach in worship leading, but you're coaching her in her walk with you. And I thank you, Lord, that she is leaning in in this season. As I hear the Lord say, you continue to lean in to God, leaning into Him. Uh, there's going to be even some things in the past, some religious stuff that was trying to be put around you that's just going to fall off. It's like already falling off. It's not hindering you. But it's like you're going to, you're going to feel like you can completely just break free of it. Uh, and I hear the Lord say that you're going to set in, in place, even within this team, you're going to have to set in place a new sense of boldness that people don't have to fit a mold. They don't have to be a particular type, but they can actually be free to experience and to experiment different things about their gift in worship. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this house. I thank you for the worship on this house. Father, we pray, Lord, Lord, that you are continuing, Lord, to strengthen the worship in this house. Lord, you're continuing, Lord, to break out, Lord, from uh, any boundaries and restrictions. Lord, that the worship will go to the left, it will go to the right, it will go forward, Lord, it will go above in terms of different flavors. I thank you, Father, Lord, you're creating a buffet of worship and praise in this house, Father. Lord, you'll create multiple flavors to feed multiple cultures that you're bringing to this place in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Brother Cody, can you step up here? 
Stick around in a few minutes. Couple of other people. It's a lot of Holy Spirit's move. Is everyone cool with that? If you need to go, uh, please don't feel any uh, hindrance. Please, if you need to go to a meeting, lunch, appointment, you can, by all means, um, leave. That's cool. Hey, John. Good. Good. See this? I hear. I hear the Lord say this. Hello. I am the leader. I am an influencer. I am an influencer. I am a speaker. I am a trainer. I am a coach. I am a mentor. I have authority. I am called for my potential to lead in the kingdom. Today is unlocked in Jesus' name. Before you get too into me, Father, I pray, Lord, in this house, in this place, bring an unlocking, unlocking. Lord, it's in Him. You put it in there. But we speak to that potential. And we ask it to come forth in this season. Lord, there's been seasons of preparation. There's been season of, seasons of correction. There's been seasons of alignment. And Lord, he's not yet perfected, but Lord, this is now a season of potential to come forth. Allow the boldness within him. The boldness that we see in the private times when he's joking with friends and family. The boldness that we see in his ability to learn lines from a movie and just quote them without any restriction. <laughs> Have the boldness of the larrikin spirit. That's a good thing for the kingdom of God to come forth. That he can love the Lord and not be religious and too serious. Let his identity in you, let it come out. Let it come forth. Let it be seen. Let it be heard. Let it arise. Let it shine in this season. I see you putting messages together. I see you learning how to structure messages. I see you speaking here, but I see you speaking in other places. Bringing the word in your way, in the way that God's going to show you. And you're going to unpack the word in a way where there's like going to be a new level of I hear the, the two words humanity and humor and I hear the Lord say that he's going to take your ability to relate to, to people your disdain for religiosity the humanity that the, the, the thing about you love God but you hate religion so being okay to be human in your expression of your love for God and your gift of humor 
like I see that your gift of humor sometimes, as you come to things that God has felt hindered and stilted because there's sometimes been experiences of religion in your life. You can't feel like you can crack a joke or make something light of something that always has to be serious. God's saying, I'm going to elevate the opportunity for you to be humorous by helping human beings to love God. And God says it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be held with this, this real sense of humility about you when you bring the Word of God. And it's going to be so edible, God says. People are going to eat it because it's going to repl- replicate and represent my heart towards people. So Father, I thank you, Lord. You're teaching this man and you're grooming this man for a whole new season of influence. Thank you, Jesus, for the unlocking today in your name. Everyone said, Amen. Adam, come here. Here you go. You look good. You're looking really preppy today. I love this. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I love it. We hands towards Adam. Thank you, Lord, for this powerful man of God, this passionate man of God. I see those words, passion and power. And I see another word starting with P, and that word is propel. And I hear God saying that he wants to propel your passion and your power forward as a working influence in the things of God. Here the Lord wants to encourage you in the strategy to make sure you not only walk into and step into your full potential, but you're sustained in it long term. Because I hear the Lord say that you've watched and seen lots of people in Christendom step into potential, but not be sustained there. They fall away or something goes pear-shaped. But I see that this is the time where God not only wants to repel you with the power and passion that He has in your life, for the things of God into your potential. But he wants to give you a strategy to sustain you there long term. And the strategy is this. God's going to show you that the greatest cementing of your identity in the things of kingdom and ministry is with over a season Be okay to be number two. Be okay to be number two. Not that you've not, but I'm hearing the Lord say this. You've seen so many people with their hunger and desire to want to do this and do that and be number one, do their own thing. I'm hearing the Lord say this. As you learn to be okay, to assist, to support, to not be number one, it's going to create a foundation and platform that will actually help you to not go in, not only go into the fullness of your potential, but to be sustained. Because there's such zeal there. But God's saying, even though it's hard for you, 
because you're natural like a wild brumby. He just wants to get out there and whoa. <laughs> the Lord's saying, allow me to bridle you more in this season. Allow me to steer and to sometimes pull things in a little bit that may in that moment feel restrictive. But God says it will be a gleaning so that the Lord will be able to utilize you long, long, long term. And when I say utilize you, I don't just mean utilize you, I mean actually position you for greatness. I'm hearing the Lord say that you've seen and witnessed a lot of lone rangers in the kingdom. And sometimes you felt like, maybe I'm behind, maybe I've missed my mark, I've missed my time. But Lord's saying this, you haven't seen the traps though that they've fallen into because they didn't and weren't willing to be in a number two or a support season long enough. They were too eager to go and do their own thing and they missed out on the proper level of preparation required to be sustained in their call. The Lord says there is so much on you and in you and I want it to be long term. So Father, I pray that you would activate this Lord's season in his life, Father. He doesn't have to be waiting on the shelf and not be utilised to be number two or to be a support player. Lord, he will still be utilised and activated, Father. But I thank you, Lord, that you bring it Bring a new sense of peace and even a new sense of patience about his call. That he's not behind. He hasn't missed the mark. He's right on time with you as he learns to flow in this place and in this season in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Jemima. Jemima. Thank you, Lord, that you continue to stir up the anointing here in this place. How are you? Good. As soon as you stepped up here, the Lord said there's a book inside of you. There's a book. And you're probably thinking, what? What are you talking about? I don't even like reading. I don't know if you like reading. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just joking. But there's a book in you. And as you stepped up here, um, I, I don't necessarily know what the angle is, but I just saw two words, life lessons. And I'm hearing the Lord say this, your life may not look perfect, but don't underestimate the lessons that you've still learned, even though the journey and sometimes the destination hasn't looked perfect. Lessons. I see there's a book inside of you. And you're going to write it as God prompts you to write it may not be tomorrow, but I see that this book is also going to help you to bring closure on some things that you feel haven't quite brought closure yet. There's something I just see, there's some things in your heart and you want complete closure. And I see that there's, whether it's a journaling thing or a book or something, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help to bring closure. But I also saw for you your ability to pray 
your ability, ability to get in and pray and intercede uh, and fight spiritually. Uh, there is something there that God wants you to reproduce in other people. But God wants to first, today, He wants to deal with the way that you think about yourself in a new way. Okay? Let's just put our hands towards your mind. Father, Lord, you have the power to transform lives. I thank you today that you remove the stain of the words that I'm not good enough from Jemima's heart. All the times in her childhood, even at school, in different seasons in her life, where that belief has tried to be cemented and locked in by the enemy. Father, there's been a work in her life in this season, a work of redemption and renewal. But right now, in this place, we pray for a complete removal of any remaining stain of those words, I'm not good enough. God says you are good enough. You are more than able, says God. You are more than a conqueror. God says, you are powerful. You are powerful. You are a mighty woman. God says, there's there's force in your mouth. God says, I've given you a tongue to really break things in the spirit realm. God says, allow that voice to come forth. Allow the roar of the line of Judah to come out of your mouth. There's been times you've stepped into it, you've done it, but God says, He's going to stir within you a whole new weapon of warfare within you. And it's like something's going to just click into place in your spirit. And it's just going to be just this anointing of war. And you're going to cause atmospheres to shift. You're going to cause people's life, helping to minister to people, to pray in the situations. But the Lord's saying that even though it's a stirring within you and it's a, it's a, it's a spiritual dynamic thing, it all starts first in your identity and how you see yourself. God says you won't be able to come into the fullness of it if you still allow yourself to believe that false belief that you're not good enough. God says you are good enough. You are strong enough. You are my mighty woman of battle. You're my mighty woman with the war cry of the tribe of Judah on the inside of you. God says bring it forth. Shout. Pray. Decree. Declare. Speak in the situations. Be my atmosphere shifter, says God. Awaken today to your identity that you are someone who can cause things to change. You are a change agent for my kingdom, says God. Now walk in it, align to it, believe in it, and don't look back. Father, release that mantle upon her life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's bless Jemima. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We ask that you seal uh, your word in our hearts. That we're not called to strive, but to thrive. We're called to love our enemies. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in all of our lives. 
We put our trust in you. We honour you in this house. We love you, Lord Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Let's give God some praise.